So we are continuing in our parable today. And as I mentioned, we will step away starting Advent from the parables. And then in January uh, through the first part of March, we will uh, be away from them. And then following Easter, we will come back to the parable series uh, the first part of, uh, of April. So just keep that in mind. Today is an interesting parable. Uh, Terry, this morning, um, as we were walking around getting things uh, up and running, she said, um, I don't know that I've heard a sermon ever preached on Mark 4, 26 through 29. It is an interesting set of verses. It's about planting seed. Lo and behold, we've been talking about planting seed for several weeks now. We could have looked at Matthew's continuation, but I wanted to use Mark's uh, passage of this parable this morning. And, and so before we get there, I just want you to think about some things when it comes to planting seed. Um, grandmas sometimes plant seeds in their grandchildren, those seeds of truth. Sometimes a teacher will plant that uh, seed of faith, if they can, in a student in some way, uh, if nothing more than allowing that student to see their faith in Christ. A co-worker may see their, uh, uh, someone that they work with that is going through something and they show compassion and mercy. Uh, they come alongside of them to lift them up, really planting a seed of compassion and faith in them. I'm here for you. And there's times where we actually get to see it come to fruition. There are times when we get to plant that seed and we actually do see someone come to Christ because of us sharing with them this message of the gospel. I read a story this week about a man named Luke Short. I don't know if you know Luke Short. Nobody raises their hand. I'm guessing you didn't live in colonial New England, but Luke Short did. And he reached his 100th birthday. He was a farmer. Lo and behold, a farmer. And Luke Short, one day as he was out and about on his farm, he was celebrating that day, his 100th birthday, and he sat down under a tree on his farm. And he began to think back. At 15 years old, when he was still in Dartmouth, England, where he was born, had been born and raised, he heard the great Puritan preacher, Jim Flavel, preach. 15 years old, 85 years earlier. And this is the verse that Flavel preached on. 1 Corinthians 16.22. Anybody know that verse? It says this. If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be cursed. Here is Luke Short, 100th birthday, sitting under a tree. 
and he begins to think back about Flavel preaching about if you don't love the Lord, you're going to be cursed. Short says, I thought about that. Hadn't thought much about the Lord in all those years. But again, began to think, a hundred years old. I may not have many more days. And he began to think about what it might mean to give his life to Christ. And this is what Short said. He said, I began to, under that tree, felt the fear of God come on me. Life is short. Here's a hundred-year-old man. Life is short. And I bent over and I prayed, Lord, forgive me. I want to put my trust in you. And he found forgiveness at a hundred years old in the Lord. What in the world was going on for 85 years? The last time that he had heard the gospel. He says the very last time he had heard the gospel was at age 15 in Dartmouth, England by a Puritan preacher. Could it be what was going on is what this parable is talking about today? Could it be? The parable addresses today the, the secret working of the Spirit of God that is planted in the hearts of individuals when they hear the gospel message, that little seed, maybe that little mustard seed we talked about last week that's planted and begins to germinate and begins to grow. Could it be that when someone hears the gospel message, whether it's from a preacher or from you or from someone else, that that seed that's planted begins to, to germinate within them and at God's perfect time and God's timing in the harvest, salvation happens? Could it be? Could it be that the, the Spirit of God, that, that we don't understand that working we can't affect that working. We can't bring it to fruition. There's nothing that we can do except plant the seed and then allow the Spirit to work. Could that be what was happening in Luke Short's life? Well, if you have your Bibles and you want to hear these few verses as Mark records them, and as I said, there's this parable is in other places, but I wanted to use Mark's version this morning of Jesus teaching this, this parable. So this is chapter 4 of Mark, verses 26 through 29. Hear this, the word of God. And he was saying, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seeds upon the soil. You've heard this before. And he goes to bed at night and gets up by day, and the seed sprouts, and it grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces the crop by itself. 
the fir first the blade, then the head, and then the mature grain in the head. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. For you are our strength and our redeemer. I pray, Father, that you would illuminate our hearts and minds this morning for what you would hold for us through this, your word. We pray this in your name. Amen. I will say this probably a few times during this sermon. Please, please stick with me. Don't let your mind wander down some roads or rabbit trails that you could go down as I preach this morning. The very first thing I want to offer you is there's a burden that we shouldn't carry. There is a burden that we should not bear. In Mark 13, we studied the parable of the soils and the four soils and the, and the seed was spread. And we know that only one-fourth of the soil was good enough to produce 30, 60, 100-fold of fruit. We, we studied the parable of the tares and the wheat and the, the seed was sown by Jesus. And Jesus says, I was the one that sowed this seed. And then at night, Satan came and sowed more seed among the seed that I sowed. And you remember the story. You want us to pull it up, pull the weeds up? And Jesus said, no, no, just wait till the harvest and we'll pull up all of it together and we will separate it. And this will go into the fire pit and this will have eternal life. And he reminds us not only in that parable that he was the sower, but also what the seed was, and that was the word of God. And then we talked last week about the mustard seed and the seed being sowed and how it comes to fruition. And today, again, we hear the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. All of these parables, Jesus says, are they're like this. And here he says, a man began to spread seed. Jesus is teaching in these parables to his followers. None of his followers, not even the 12 disciples, had any clue. None of them knew that there was going to be a responsibility given to them to carry the gospel out into the world. None of them knew at this point of the Great Commission. Jesus had not told them that yet. Go and spread the word, spread the gospel, baptizing, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, telling them everything that I have commanded you. That has not come yet. But we're part of that generational push of the gospel message. We, too, received, when we became Christians, that gospel message to go, as they did later in their walk with Christ. But in the midst of that, we have to 
to realize that though we have this great commission to tell, tell the gospel, there are limitations on our role. There are limitations on what we can do. There are burdens that we should not bear. What is that burden? What if, just think about this, what if you believed that the destiny of someone was on your shoulders? What if you believed it was completely up to you on whether someone made it to heaven? What if it was completely up to you to break open someone's heart, to help them to understand what it meant to give their life to Christ, but you had to bring it to fruition for them. You had to make it grow for them, or else they were going to be lost forever. What if that was your responsibility, whether someone made it to heaven or went to hell? Let me tell you, it's not. It's not your responsibility. You don't get to condemn someone to hell. You also don't get to save someone. That's not your role. Don't take that burden upon yourself. If someone's heart fails to swing open for Christ... As long as you have done the role that God has called you to, Jesus says you can go and lay down and you can get up and you can go again spreading the seed. Spreading the seed. If that is a burden that you bear, you're either going to find yourself in despair or arrogance. One of those two. It's going to depend on whether how you feel like you can meet that challenge of whether it's arrogance or despair. Jesus gives us this, this parable and he lifts this burden off of us. In fact, he encourages us because he says we are to be spreaders of the gospel. Our role is limited we are to spread the seed on the ground, he says. The man got up and he spread the seed. Don't let your mind wander. I will get there. I know right now you want to go, oh, great. I just get to sit down and do nothing. No, that's not where we're at. We are called to be seed spreaders. And Jesus says, whether you're awake or sleep, God is going to be doing the work. We can't take and germinate. We can't bring about growth. We are called to scatter the seed. And God says, I'll bring life. I'll bring everything else that you can't bring. And for this reason, I believe Jesus is saying to us, as we read this parable, 
it just reminds us of the sovereignty of God, the glory of God, that glory that brings salvation through Jesus Christ, it should humble us to the fact that we can't save. You can't have notches on your belt. Look how many people I've saved this week or this month or in my life. No. You're to be seed spreaders. The sovereignty of God when it comes to salvation is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You would say, well, wait a minute, Marty. I know you've talked about tilling and planting the the ground and putting fertilizer in and that brings about growth and yes I was on a farm where I made sure that we we tilled and we put fertilizer out and we we did our best to make the harvest or to bring about what we hoped and prayed for would be a great harvest but I didn't do anything about germinating the seed none of that And to be honest with you, not every seed grew. We planted a lot of seeds, and some of those seeds didn't even come up. And it was still in the good soil, and it didn't germinate. So what is our role? The interpretation of this passage today is that we are to be seed spreaders. And those seed spreaders may be among the tares. It may be among those, those um, weeds that are living around us. It, it may be that it is in our homes, in our work, on our street. The, the parable says the man got up and he sowed seed. And then he went to bed. And he says, and the the man really didn't know exactly how the seed was going to grow. He couldn't make it grow. The only thing he could do was sow the seed, scatter the seed. In fact, Jesus doesn't even say that has to be now, the, the male gender here is because of the Greek, but it can be a male or a female. It can be a boy or a girl. It could be a person of any age. It could be a person of any color, a person of any nationality, a person of any wealth or lack thereof. You fill in the blank. In other words, any living human being that has a relationship with Jesus Christ can be a Seed sower. The early church understood this. They went out and told people about Christ. They, they went and just shared the story of Jesus Christ. They would broadcast it wherever they went to whomever was willing to listen. Other parables talk about using different things or things coming into play, but not this parable. There's no uh, tractor here. There's no plow here. There's no tilling of the soil here. In this parable, Jesus just says, a man got up and sowed the seed. He broadcast the seed. Now, That could be me preaching today. It could be you tomorrow who still have a job where you go and 
you spread the gospel in the ways that you are allowed in your job. Could be in your neighborhood, sitting on a bus or a plane or a train. Could be sitting in a coffee shop or in the break room. It could be to our children or grandchildren, just planting those seeds, spreading those seeds, scattering those seeds. I mentioned the word broadcasting uh, a few weeks ago. On our farm, when we would broadcast seed, we had a, uh, a bag. It was a cotton bag, and we would put it across our shoulder, and uh, we'd put seed inside of that bag, and according to which hand you wanted to sow with is how you draped it. But you would just reach your hand in there, and you would literally just throw seed and let them fall wherever they may. We didn't dump seed in one space, in one spot. spot. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't have, you'd got a lot there, but nowhere else. And so we would broadcast the seed. And, and when we were done, we would go and we would hang that bag up in our pack house. That's what we called it. It was a barn. We called it a pack house because we packed tobacco in the top of it. But um, so we would put those bags in the pack house where we had sown seed. And then we would go and have dinner. And occasionally, there may be some fertilized broadcast out. But what we waited for was the seed to sprout, the seed to grow, and come to a place where we could harvest it. And that's the next piece. In, in verse 29, it says that we can harvest the crop. Stay with me. Don't, don't leave me now. Um, we're, we're going to get there. So the one that scatters, this parable says the one that scatters can put the, the sickle and, and gain harvest. And you say, well, I thought Jesus was the only one that does the harvest. Well, there's two possibilities here. And I know which one I believe this is. The first possibility is not here. The first possibility of the harvest is what we talk about a lot, and that is Jesus being the harvester, Jesus coming back, or Jesus at my death. I get to be harvest for my life by belief in him, and I get to go and be with him forever and ever eternity. Or he splits this place wide open and comes and claims us. That is the first possibility of this harvest, this coming to fruition, our life. But, but what if Jesus is talking here when, when he says, he goes to bed and he gets up and, and, and the seed sprouts and it grows and he himself doesn't know how, but the crop produces, and then he says, he puts the, the man who planted, and here is us in this planting. How do I know it's not Jesus? Because Jesus says the man that planted doesn't know anything. My Jesus knows everything. So 
this isn't the planter. Jesus isn't the planter in this parable. This is a man who gets up and sows. And so here we have Jesus saying, but you can harvest. You can see that a person has come to a place where the seed that has been planted, whether it's from you or someone else, is come to fruition. They are now a Christian. They now have belief in Jesus Christ. They are a part of the children of God. Do you remember in the fourth chapter of John's gospel, Jesus is talking in, in verse 35 through 38. I want you to hear what he says. Now, I want you to relate it to what I just said. The harvest Harvest is plentiful. The, the fields are white. Jesus says, I tell you, lift up your fields and look at them. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the reaper draws his wages. Even now he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you did not work for. Others have done the work, and you reap the benefit for their labor. And so, there are times that we sow and someone else may see the benefit of that sowing. Or there's sometimes that we will see the benefit of someone else planting those seeds in people. We see that this transformation from life, from death to life, has come to fruition through Jesus Christ. We get to see that transformation happen. How precious is that? That Jesus comes to fruition in someone's life. Now who ultimately is the reaper? Yes, you're right. Jesus is. Jesus is the one ultimately doing the reaping, but he uses us to see someone come to fruition in their faith in Jesus Christ. John 5, 24, whoever hears the word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned, but will cross over from death to life. When we're watching, when we're watching someone that is battling and being transformed by the Spirit, and they come to faith in Jesus Christ, when they give their life to Christ, we ought to be saying, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the growth of that seed that was planted. Jesus also says that we can. Sleep and then get up. Sleep and then get up. He says, night and day, 
whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, and though he did not know exactly how that was to happen. So confidently, this person is going about their day, whether they are sleeping or waking, whatever they are doing, they have scattered the seed and they go about the rest of their day, their life. They continue to, to be a part of what that day brings. And so we are to spread, in other words, every day in how we live, in our waking or our sleeping we are a part of what God is doing. What God is doing. But ultimately, God is doing the growth. God is doing the growing. So that brings us to what we cannot do. What we can do is we can spread seed. We can uh, harvest. Uh, we can go about our day in and out. In doing that, you don't have to be the full-time preacher. But there's some things that we can't do. And one of the things that we can't do is we can't make it grow. It says that the seed sprouts and it grows, and the man who planted did not know how that happened. He goes in and washes up for dinner and sits down and has dinner, and he goes about his routine and... He is humbled by the fact that he goes out and he has seen this seed begin to sprout and begin to come to fruition that he planted. 1 Corinthians 3, 6, and 7. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. And as I read it, you will be reminded, you will know the verse. I planted, Apollos watered, but God made it grow. God made it grow. So neither he who plants, this is the verse 7, neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, Paul says. But only God who makes it grow. And so what is the apostle telling us? He is saying, I planted the seed, and yes, Apollos came along, and he watered it and did some things, but it is God who did the growth. So this is where I want you to not, I wanted you not to go down this road. Well, why in the world for the church? Why in the world will we gather? If, if God does all the growth, what's the purpose of doing nothing than just sharing the story? Well, the planting happens here. You get to learn how to plant here. You get to hear the story of God and Jesus, what Christ has done for us, the, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And so here is where you get the education. Here is where the watering begins to take place. But even in the watering in church, for you, believer, God is still doing the growth. God is the one at work in you. And if God is not at work in you, let's have a talk. Because if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, he has called you to work. To be a sower. 
So we can't make it grow. The other thing that we can't do is we can't add the, the secret work of the Holy Spirit. That is a God thing. It, it is a God thing. And so I will tell you, and you know this, there are many people that hear the gospel that never come to faith in Jesus Christ. They never surrender their life to him. They continue to be at odds, separated, never being transformed into the likeness of Christ. It is the Holy Spirit that does the work. It is the Spirit of God that calls us into relationship with Him. And in God's time, in God's plan, in God's perfect way, that person who has had that seed planted in their life, if they have been called by Christ to Himself, the Holy Spirit is going to bring that to fruition. Jesus says, first the stalk, and then there's a head that grows. And then there's this moment that the full kernel is, is there. And then he says, the harvest comes. And so the unconverted, but yet those who God have called, the, the elect who have heard the word, the word of God, which is the seed, those who will ultimately trust in him, that seed begins to grow. Now, we have seen, and probably some of you may have been a part of, when the seed was sown in your life, you may have right then surrendered your life to Christ. Maybe that's the way it happened. It didn't happen that way with me because I didn't give my life to Christ until age 15, but I grew up in the church I could recite tons of scripture before I ever gave my life to Christ. But that seed was planted. My parents made sure that I was in church every Sunday, was in Sunday school every week, was in vacation Bible school every year. And on a Tuesday night in April of 1973, it came to fruition. And I was convicted of my sin. And as I surrendered my life to Christ, I felt the coming of the Holy Spirit. I felt God's presence in a way that I had never felt before. So we can't make it grow. We, we can't cause the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The third thing we cannot do is bring conversion John says in the first chapter, verses 12 and 13, to all who receive him, to those who believe in him, he gave the right to become children of God, children that are born not of blood or of the will of flesh, and here is the key for us, nor of the will of man, but only of God. God is the only one that brings about this rebirth. You remember Nicodemus in chapter 3 as he comes to Jesus and he's asking questions. And Jesus tells him, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. You should not be surprised at me saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. 
So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. This is a God thing. God thing. God brings about conversion. Isn't it interesting? You want to talk about this parable in planting seed? Jesus plants the seed in Nicodemus. You remember what happens uh, three short years later? Nicodemus has converted. Nicodemus believes that Jesus is the Messiah. He actually helps to with his body after he has, has died. It is so wonderful how God's plan works to God's fruition that he, he brings about conversion in his time and in his way. So let me finish. I want to give you two things that you must do and three things you cannot do and I will do them quickly and I'll say a prayer. The first thing that we must do is be diligent in, ca in scattering, casting, broadcasting the seed. We must be diligent in it. God has called us for this purpose. This is our role that we are to share the gospel in however way God has called you to do it in your daily life, wherever that may be, and I would say even if it costs you something, if you need to give up something so that you can be seed spreaders, we must diligently scatter the seed. He has called us to that work. Secondly, we must look for results. We must look for results. Expect the harvest. Expect that God is going to do a work in us, through us, as we share. It shouldn't be, gee, I hope that there's a harvest. Gee, I hope that that seed that I planted, you know, comes to fruition. I mean, think about a farmer that would go out and plant seed and have no hope of a, of a harvest. Why in the world would you plant a seed if you didn't have hope that there was results? Charles Spurgeon said this, I fear that many Christians work without faith. If you have a garden or a field and you sow a seed in it, you would be very greatly surprised and grieved if, you, if it did not come up at all. But many Christian people seem quite content to work on and they never reckon the results. So much that they never look expectantly for results. This is pitiful, he says. This kind of work is pitiful. Pulling up empty buckets year after year? Surely I must either see a result from my labor and be glad, or else failing to see it, I must be ready to break my heart for it. Charles Spurgeon, are you looking for results? Scatter diligently, look for results. Three things cannot do, must not do. Never water it down. 
Never water down. Never re-engineer the seed in any way. God's word is perfect as it is. It is perfect to deliver. This gospel message is perfect the way he has given it to us. We are to scatter his word just as it is. There are too many churches today that are changing this, re-engineering the seed. They are watering down the gospel cannot, must not do that. Secondly, never question the approach. You see, Jesus gave us the approach. Jesus told us how to do it. He's given us the method. And so we need to share the gospel as he has instructed us. What do I mean by that? We cannot make promises the gospel doesn't make. We, we cannot bribe conversations. In other words, okay, if you believe in Jesus, you'll never have any more sickness. You'll never have any more of this. In fact, you're going to be perfect. You're going to be wealthy. You're going to be this. No, that's not the promise of the gospel. And so we never question God's approach on how to share and scatter the seed. He has done it perfectly. We just need to live into it. And then finally, we can't get lazy. If, if you have the capability in any way to, regardless of age, regardless, if you have the, the capability to share, to spread seed, then we must never grow lazy. This is work that God has called us to. And you say, well, if I don't spread seed, somebody else will. No, that's not the way to look at this. God has called us all believers, every believer, to be seed spreaders. And so you take that role upon yourself to do that. We are to share the gospel and not become lazy. Somebody else would just do it. I don't have to. Okay, I said that's all I would do. You know, the danger of sharing Luke's short story is to think, man, I've got all the time in the world. Just got all the time in the world. Luke came to faith sitting under a tree in colonial New England at age 100. He spent 85 years living his life the way he wanted to. Well, if anyone that hears this message is a non-believer, none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. If you don't believe me, let's look at what Hebrews 3.15, Hebrews 4.7, two different places the Hebrew writer writes this. While there's time, if today you hear his voice, his being capitalized, Jesus' voice, don't harden your heart. Come to Christ. So today may be the day that God brings someone to Christ. If we are a Christian today and we hear this message and this passage, then what we need to do is examine our habits. Am I diligently spreading the seed? Am I looking for results? Am I lazy? 
Am I allowing someone else to do what God has called me to do and just sit back and watch them work and see the harvest? So each of us, believer or non-believer, as we look at this passage, we have a part to play. Let's scatter some seed for Christ and then watch and expect the harvest. Father, thank you for the opportunity to just come together and to serve you and to worship you and to lift you up in our praises and to hear your word read and preached and to come expecting, Father, of what you're going to do. We came today, Father, to lift you up in our worship, to praise, but also to grow in our faith. And you are the one that brings about growth through the preaching of your word. So, Father, as we leave this place today, may we go out and spread some seed in whatever manner that you use us, in whatever ways you demand it or command it. And so, Father, may we be pliable and flexible this week even in sharing the good news of Jesus. Because from life to death to resurrection, he has provided the only way to eternal life. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. And I thank you for the dwelling and dwelling of the Holy Spirit that you have given me to have the ability to spread seed, your word, in a lost world. Thank you, Father. Pray this in your name. Amen.